The Tech Qualified Podcast is dedicated to providing B2B technology marketers with access to real-world case studies and best practices. We interview industry leaders to uncover what's working in the world of B2B technology marketing. If you're wondering how you can position your technology company as the choice in the marketplace, then follow along as we go on this journey together. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Tech Qualified. I'm Tristan Pellegrino, and I'm here with my business partner in Motion, Justin Brown. Hello, everyone. This episode of Tech Qualified is brought to you by Motion, a marketing agency that focuses on the strategy and development of thought leadership programs for B2B technology companies. Today, our guest is Jen Rothgaber, the Senior Manager of Marketing at Software Quality Associates. Jen, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Tristan. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll give our audience a little background on yourself. Can you tell us uh, about some of your past experience and what you're up to now at SQA? Yeah, sure. So for about four and a half years, I worked at a B2B SaaS company focused in the association and nonprofit space. I was the senior marketing manager for three plethora of products that the company hosted. So I was primarily responsible for demand generation, leading a team of marketing managers that were focused on generating for the products. We also did some content development and social media posts, along with webinars and a little bit of branding for those products. In October, I took a position with SQA, Software Quality Associates, who was basically revamping and changing the business, going from a stagnant 20-year-old company to a growth company. So they brought me in to basically build the marketing function from the ground up. So demand generation, content development, digital marketing, branding, every leg of marketing that you can think of. Not many hats at all. So yeah, I love it. Ever since I joined, that was a great move professionally. And I'm excited to see where I can bring the company in 20 more years. Yeah, awesome. We're uh, looking forward to diving into some of that and, and what you're up to. First, Jen, can you walk us through, for folks that aren't aware of SQA, can you tell us a little bit about the ideal customer that you typically work with and then how the company helps them? Sure. So SQA is primarily a services firm. So we help companies who are looking to transform digitally. I know digital transformation is a huge buzzword right now and a huge topic that a lot of companies are exploring. So we come in and help companies do that. We also help augment staffing for product and software related development related roles such as software testing, agile enablement, QA, things of that nature to help deliver software um, and products to their end customers. Our primary target are the IT leaders. We are a regional company, so we are focused more in New England area, but we are targeting IT directors, VP of IT, VP of product, those types of personas. On the other end of that, we're more of a, a consulting firm as well. So we go out and prospect consultants in our area, local cons consultants, nobody offshore. And we help place those consultants into our clients' staffing. So that way, they're all local, they're on-site, they're within their offices, and we basically fill the gaps that they need within their teams. Got it. And, and Jen, you mentioned that the company has been around for quite a while, and now there's a pivot to more of it a commitment on the marketing side. What was driving that approach, do you think? The company was stagnant. So it wasn't growing as quickly and as largely as they wanted to. So over the last year, there have been a lot of initiatives. A lot of, of new faces have come in to basically change the organization and optimize for growth. 
So as you can imagine, there were instances where some people weren't ready for growth. Some people weren't apt to change. There was a lot of resistance to change. So there was some turnover. So I came in late October and am starting the whole marketing function from the ground up. Very cool. Yeah. So let's maybe take it from when you arrived, what was the status of marketing at that point in time? And and what were some of your first major initiatives to get rolling? It was more passive marketing. So we did have a marketing partner that helped relaunch a new branded website that helped some social media efforts. But there wasn't any active marketing. There wasn't any proactive email campaigning or content being created or basically making noise in the market. As you can imagine, with a marketing agency running a marketing team, we were one of many clients that they had. So there wasn't a ton of focus on SQA. So I basically picked up where they were kind of leaving off. My primary initiative was to start demand generation. That's kind of where I came from. MQLs are, that's what I look at on a daily basis. And it's, it's kind of where I focus. So I came in, I launched a new marketing automation platform. I started a whole marketing roadmap for Q1 of 2020, brought on a couple of additional consultants that I've worked with in the past for content creation and graphic design. So I'm basically just setting the foundation work now, whether it's content pieces, what kind of topics we want to explore what kind of topics we want to host in webinars or podcasts, a lot of A-B testing, what emails are working to our target buyers, what cadence is working, where can I help the, the sales staff supplement on their effort. So it's a lot of trial and error right now and a lot of trying to figure out what's working and what's not going to work just because I'm kind of starting over. Yeah, absolutely. And can you talk a little bit about that customer journey? So it sounds like you're doing a lot of different things. What does it look like for somebody? So you mentioned that you come from kind of that demand generation background. What are you doing to garner initial interest? What does that look like? Is it, you know, running these automation campaigns? Do you have SDR, BDRs in place. What is your process for targeting that? And we can go in a second because I know you have an interesting setup where you're both B2B while also kind of B2C because you're trying to market to candidates as well. But we'll start on just the client side. So how are you generating interest with those IT directors, VPs of product, et cetera, getting them interested into conversations with you all? Can you talk a little bit about that? It sounds like you've got a lot of things going on. Yeah, so that's a great question. We're actually in the process now of trying to actually like nail down our customer journey. So what I'm finding is comparatively speaking, B2B SaaS space, that was a little more black and white where if you hit somebody with an email, they raise their hand saying, yes, I want a free demo. That's an MQL. They go to SCR, then they go to the sales and they sales close one, what have you. The services space I'm finding is a lot more different. The services space is more of a long game. So you're serving up content, whether it's a blog post or a white paper, anything, even anything gated. If you capture those leads in, then that gives you more flexibility to implement a nurture stream. I'm realizing that the market is responding more to content not related to our business. So our thought leadership content, things that they want to read and look at passively, not so much be thrown in their face. Hey, you need our services. You need to speak with one of our consultants or one of our experts. It's a lot more difficult to tell somebody 
somebody that they need a service rather than they need a product. A product kind of speaks for itself. A service, people think that they can do that within their own teams and that they don't need to outsource those types of services. So the journey is yet to be determined, uh, quite frankly, but I'm starting to realize that it is the long game. Start with thought leadership content get those leads in, nurture those leads, get them to a state where they can be considered an owned lead where it's picked up by our, our BDR and then the BDR nurtures and, and takes it from there with our sales team. And what does the sales cycle itself look like? So let's say somebody does either raise their hand or you have a good conversation with them. What does that look like from your organizational standpoint? Is it that they come in and they're uh, a customer for one campaign or one project? What what does the sales cycle look like for you and your team? So ideally, they're customers for more than one project. The customer would come and speak with our BDR team. BDR would determine if there's a need. And if there's a, a space for us, they would toss to the sales team who has a little bit more of vast knowledge around our services and around the needs within that. And we also have in-house experts that get brought into those conversations as well who could say like, okay, you have this gap within your process. You need this type of person to fill this gap. At that point, if the client decides to leverage us to fill those holes in their process, we open up a cell where we are opening up job descriptions and trying to find talent within our region that can fill those gaps. On site, they get vetted through our talent acquisition specialists first who know the ins and outs of that job description and what the client is looking for. And then they go through the client interview and then God willing, they get hired. So it depends on the needs of the customer. If they have another opening or if they have another gap that needs to be filled down the road, then our goal is to get them to think of us first. So it's just a need by need basis. Gotcha. And it's super easy sale too, right? It's just, you just have to sell the client on working with you, then the candidate on working with the client, and then the client to then hire the person. So you're only selling the times to make it happen piece of cake. I can do it in my sleep. <laughs> Interesting. So uh, another thing I want to touch on. So you talked a lot about this thought leadership content that you're producing. Can you talk about what's going into that and what you're working on? So I heard a lot of buzzwords being thrown around, podcasts, webinar series, white papers. You probably said a few others. Can you talk a little bit about what the thought leadership content is that you're creating? Yeah. So we're trying to build up our content arsenal because we don't have much or we didn't start with much. We started with some blog posts and some case studies. But as you and all other marketers know, you need a little bit more of a variety. You need a plethora of content in order to be a thought leader in the space. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to start with what we know. So any sort of concepts that are out there that may have been around for a while, but we want people to think of us when they start thinking of those concepts. We've been coming up with blog posts and white papers specifically around those concepts. I do have a, a contractor. She's an amazing writer. She is able to help us craft all of that content. And primarily, we'll start with a white paper and then we'll parse out into different blog posts out of that white paper. Additionally, we are starting a webinar series or we have started a webinar series this year where we are primarily leveraging panel discussions. So we're bringing in industry experts that we've worked with in the past that would have actually practiced what we're preaching. So we're bringing them in for panel discussions on different topics. And then at the end of those webinars, we're turning that webinar content into white paper, turned into blog posts, turned into infographic, any other asset that kind of makes sense. Oh yeah. Love that. Repurpose. Reuse and repurpose. It's my motto. <laughs> you do not have to make something new every single time. So I'm curious, 
curious. I know the marketers overall, maybe not all, but lots of marketers enjoy making thought leadership content. I mean, you are creating something that you get to point to and say, you know, we worked as an organization to make this. But uh, while some people would love to work on that all the time, you also come from a demand gen background and understand that's great. We know that thought leadership content works over time, but there's also this thing called uh, lead generation or demand generation where we also need that. We need leads now. So how are you balancing things like these long-term strategies, like brand awareness, thought leadership content, a webinar series with short-term initiatives like demand generation, advertising, you know, real immediate results? How are you balancing those two things? So I try to weave in any thought leadership pieces or any content pieces that we have into any demand generation activities. So if I'm sending an email out to contacts that we haven't touched in a while, kind of a salesy email, hey, let's get some coffee, let's have a call, I want to see how things are going. I'll throw a line in there saying, hey, by the way, have you seen that we're hosting a webinar next month? Or have you seen this blog post or this white paper? Try to give them some value to the email and try not to come off as we're just like throwing a sales pitch in their face. So any sort of asset that would be relevant to them, I try to put into an email. Similarly, any PPC ads, I'll put that content up as site look like extensions, depending on the type of that we're running. So that way, if they're not clicking directly on the ad, then they can see an asset saying, okay, well, this topic looks pretty relevant and looks pretty good. Let me click into here. If it's a gated content, we get their information that way. I've been trying to balance the QL and the brand awareness aspect of marketing. I'm trying to take off my demand gen hat and trying to be more susceptible to long-term initiatives. But as you mentioned, that's not all demand generations think of. Yeah, I, I come from that that background as well. I come from the demand gen side of things. So, you know, it's funny. You, you usually you have people who look at things one way or the other. You've got the people who are much better at, you know, long-term brand awareness and the people who are like, look, I will bring in leads tomorrow. And it's trying to find that balance of the two that really make a highly successful senior marketer. So, you know, we've heard from so many people that that's just not something that's easy. And then for you, there's also this other little piece that we don't want to forget about, which is that you have a completely different ideal customer profile, if you will, that is the complete other side of the the business, which is candidate, which is almost like a B2C sale. So not only are you having to do thought leadership in a highly competitive industry that is service-based, there's lots of people saying that they do it. If that's not hard enough in itself, you also have uh, candidates that you need to make sure that are interested to work with you to fill these jobs. So what are you doing there to try to get candidates interested, candidates involved? Is that a similar strategy to what you're doing for these directors of IT? Is it a completely different strategy going on job boards with job postings? Is it outreach to a database? What does that look like on the complete other side of your marketing spectrum? So all the above, I am finding, like you mentioned, candidates, they're a whole other ball game. So these are contractors, consultants that could very well be in nine to five Monday through Friday roles right now, but may also be looking for another opportunity. So the whole timing of when to hit them via email, when to hit them via social media, That's kind of a shot in the dark because like any buyer, any director of IT, you would want to most likely hit Monday through Friday, nine to five. 
and not on the weekends, not in the evenings, but a candidate, they could be job hunting on the weekend or job hunting during their evening hours. So we're doing a lot of email blasts. Surprisingly, you know, probably not surprisingly enough, but candidates, they're more apt to open your emails if you're offering jobs. If they're looking for a position, they're going to open the email, they're going to see what's available. So it's a matter of trying to find those quality candidates. We don't want to find the ones that have 10 years less experience than what the job is asking of. So that's kind of where we're balancing. We're trying to figure out the quality versus the quantity. So while we're getting, if we get many job uh, job applicants from a LinkedIn post, we could get 100 of them and not one of them would be actually be qualified. So right now we're trying to find the balance between how do we filter out and or how do we target those quality candidates because it is a whole other ball game an IT director you, you know what they're qualified for we know that they're qualified for our service whereas this candidate that has had these similar roles before may not be qualified for the position that we're trying to fill if that makes sense <laughs> Yeah, it does. And ironically enough, it's a situation where people are almost harder to reach that are in the lower levels because there's so many tools out there for people to be able to reach an IT director or a VP of IT. Their email addresses are out, whether it's in Discover Org or something of the like, and you can get their phone number and what have you. And then if you're looking for, you know, junior systems admin or junior Java developer, where do you get their information? I mean, you can maybe see their LinkedIn if they have one that's easily searchable. And then you've got to figure out how the heck you're going to contact them. You don't have a personal email address. So do you email them at work or do you send emails in LinkedIn and hope that they get read? So I, I imagine it's just a completely different approach to getting those people interested. Yes, absolutely. And like I said, it, it's not really hard to sell people on the list of jobs that you have available. It's just finding those quality people. And so what has it been like for you coming from a SaaS background and the things that you were doing there? Do you mind comparing a little bit of some of the initiatives that you were working on when you were at the SaaS organization and now being in a services organization? What similarities do you see and what major differences? Yeah, so I tried bringing over a lot of what I was doing before because that's what I know, right? That's that's what I'm used to. That's what I built. That's what I know. So I tried applying it for uh, SQA when I started, and I quickly realized that not everything is scalable. It's not a one size fits all type marketing approach. So kind of like what I was mentioning before with services, I I realized quickly that it's we kind of have to play the long game. I have to stop being so focused on MQLs and be more focused on the relationships that we're building, whether it be through marketing or through sales or in a combination of both. Because at, at the SaaS-based world, somebody raises their hand and says, I want a demo from your webinar, or from a slick or from an infographic or anything that you did marketing-wise, that's automatically considered an MQL. So I went from generating hundreds of MQLs to expecting the same at a services organization. And that's just not the case because you're essentially trying to convince somebody of the need for a service, which is not as easy to do as a product. So I tried bringing over the, the same approaches. I've been able to do it, but I'm still doing webinars, doing the thought leadership pieces, which have proven to be way more valuable within the services world than the product world. But there are some expectations that I had that just didn't really pan out to be the same in a services world. Yeah. And Jen, question, you know, even rolling back to when you started, I'm curious to know, how did you get more aware of your different customer profiles when you started, you know, coming from the association and, and SaaS area? Did you interview folks on the team or like, how did you get that information you needed in order to, to really spearhead some of these early marketing efforts? 
Yeah. So we do have a lot of people on the sales team who have tenure within our organization. So they do know very well what our buyers think and and what their qualities are. We also have experts on the team. So those people that have been in those types of roles before and have been pitched the services and the products and all of the things, they are on our team as well. So I've easily been able to pick their brains and on different approaches saying, okay, say that you're a buyer, say that you're a VP of IT within XYZ company, what kind of content would you be interested in? Or what kind of approach, what medium would you be, would you be checking the most? And would you be more susceptible to receiving and being open to a conversation for our services. So a lot of relationship building within the team itself, picking their brains. I am very lucky to have those previous buyers within my organization that I always have access to. And then a lot of A-B testing, a lot of checking out the engagement. If people aren't engaging with my marketing, why is that? What can I do to pivot? What is working? What isn't working? Things like that. Yeah. And when you talk about this is always an interesting area to explore too. When you're starting in a new role, like what are some of the data elements that were important to you? I mean, you talked about MQLs for sure. You know, is there anything else that you set up early on to determine, hey, do I need to pivot in this situation? You know, is this not resonating well? You know, why? What were some of the metrics you used? What did that like marketing scorecard look like that you set up early on? So I comparing and contrasting when it comes to MQLs and leads generated, I, I was starting from zero. So there wasn't really much to compare. It was more just testing out the tactics. As far as other metrics, web metrics are really important to be tracking, especially tracking right now because the website was just completely rebranded and completely overhauled over the summer. So we're constantly checking that traffic to see where the spikes are, especially as we introduce new thought leadership. What are people visiting on the site from that, those thought leadership assets? Where are people going? What's their first page off Google? Like, What are they searching for? So the website metrics are probably the more important metrics that I've been tracking from historical knowledge at this point, because there hasn't really been many other metrics to bench off. Yeah. You know, you talked about a lot of different formats there. You mentioned you worked with a writer early on. So can you maybe describe, you know, you're coming into this role, you're, you're establishing this marketing function, right? You know, it's, you're basically building it from scratch almost. What are some of the first roles that you looked at or, or the resources that you wanted to pull in right away? You know, that's always a good topic for us to explore because there are a lot of listeners that are in the same shoes in a lot of cases where, you know, brand new role, they're trying to stand up a marketing function that doesn't have a lot of components, you know, right now. They're, they're trying to yeah. get all these things in place. You're talking about the tech stack. You're talking about building out content. Like, how did you develop priorities and what were some of those first few folks or resources that you pulled in? Yeah. So I will tell you, I came from a very large marketing function. So coming in to be a one man or one woman show was kind of a culture shock because I went from having a marketing operations resource and content, social media, PR, all of the resources, all the legs of marketing. I, I had those resources at my disposal. So I came in thinking I wanted all of that. I know I was in no position to build out that kind of a team right then and there. And I'm glad that I wasn't because now that I'm kind of in the role, grassroots, doing all of the dirt, rolling up my sleeves, now I can see where I would be able to leverage resources, what would be the most important ones for me. So right off the bat, I'm not a writer. Like I'll write email copy all day. I'll write a blog post if I have to, but I don't enjoy writing personally. So I wanted to bring in my content writer that I worked with previously who does amazing work and she's very efficient and very affordable. So that was kind of a no-brainer for me. Additionally, I 
needed a graphic designer. I have no graphic design skills whatsoever. I can poke around in design all day, but I am just pretty much useless when it comes to using the tool. So I wanted to bring in a, a graphic designer contractor as well. I would love to have those people on my team, but in the interim, having just myself as a full-time employee while we can figure out where we want to bring people in on our actual team versus where we want to just bring consultants and contractors in that we're still kind of figuring out. So contractors for now as a short-term approach and then building out a larger team down the road. Yeah, makes sense. And I think a lot of people experience the same things. You know, it's like you're trying to get your legs under you, right? Early on. And then you're trying to fill in gaps and work on through those priorities. And then ultimately you're, you're going to find, you know, a full-time spot at some point and say, all right, you know, this will be our first hire and this is what we'll focus on. That said, you know, what I'm trying to think here, if you are looking for resources, you know, as a one person marketing function, what are some of the things that you really leverage on your side to just keep the pace up on your side with marketing? You know, are there online resources that you use or what were some of your favorite go-to things on, on your side? So as elementary as it sounds, I lean heavily on LinkedIn. I don't have followers. I follow a lot of good marketing influencers and companies that do push out really great content. And they follow great people as well that also show up on my LinkedIn feed. So that's kind of where I get a lot of my marketing trends and just different snippets of information just to kind of collaborate within the marketing world on LinkedIn. There's a lot of good resources out there and a lot of good brains that are writing some posts on LinkedIn that you could follow. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Justin and I are on LinkedIn quite a bit. And if you engage on the platform, I think that's the secret too. It's it's like the, you know, consuming information is one thing. And then also just having a dialogue with oh. folks as well is, is pretty important. How have you seen LinkedIn change? You know, if you're in the association space before, what does that switch meant on your side? Just the, the types of folks that you're, you're following and, and the conversations that you're having, how has that changed here with your new role? So I am following more technology-based companies and influencers and, and people that are within that world. But truthfully, I, I connect more with marketing professionals as opposed to association professionals versus technology professionals. And at the end of the day, it's it's kind of the same information that's being floated around out there at more of a high level. Information about brand and sales techniques and marketing sales techniques and things like that can either be applied to association or technology or healthcare or, or whatever the industry may be. Got it. All right. And Jen, you know, what are some of the things that you're focused on in the next quarter? You know, you, you've talked a lot about the, the foundation you built. What are some of the big rocks uh, that you're, you're looking to tackle here uh, in the next quarter? Our biggest thing right now is SEO and optimizing our website. So our website could use some TLC as far as content. So we're going to work on bulking up those pages and also bringing in somebody that can help us optimize our SEO in the process. All right, cool. Yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, SEO, it pays off in the long run, but it's like if the longer you, you wait to tackle that the longer it's going to take to surface. Well, good. Well, Jim, we're coming up on our time here. So, you know, one final question for you. Where can folks go to learn more about yourself and your organization? Our website is sqassociates.com. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Jennifer Rathgaber. All right. Awesome. Well, Jen, I appreciate your time here. Thanks for uh, spending the morning with Justin and me. It was great having you on Tech Qualified. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jen.
listeners. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Tech Qualified. If you're looking to generate engaging conversations with your ideal customer profile, while also positioning your tech as a choice in the marketplace, then access Motion's ultimate thought leadership course for B2B tech companies. The online course provides a complete step-by-step process required to establish a thought leadership program using a podcast or video series. Get free immediate access today by visiting motionagency.io slash access.